Hey, welcome back to the Behind the Well Show. This is Roger Abel here with Elias Randall. Welcome back, Elias. You're the regular co-host of the show with me. I am the co-host. Thanks for having me on the show again. I appreciate that. So wild, wild markets this week. I'd say since COVID, we haven't seen anything quite as volatile or as dramatic as you know the last couple of weeks that we've seen. Um, and the big news, I think, beyond just stock market selling off and bond market, you know, entering a bear market for for some of the bonds, is the crypto world. And we've talked about this a long time. But there has been a lot of pain in the crypto world. In fact, Bitcoin traded down to $26,000 overnight. It only hit that overnight. I happened to wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning one night, and I, I saw the price. I think I texted it to you. Um, and it's trading back up around 30000 But that, that's pretty big news to watch something that traded up to 66000 down to twenty six in pretty dramatic fashion. It is. And I actually watched an interview with a guy named... Um David Miller, he's uh, one of the founders of a, it's a company that runs mutual funds called Miller Value Partners. And he's a big Bitcoin buyer. He he was wearing the Bitcoin hat in his interview and he was addressing the volatility and just the volatile nature of Bitcoin in general. And I think he said something like he's experienced 10 corrections of 50% since he's been buying it. And then I think three or four of 80, this was like his third 80% correction or something. But I think the point was for him, you have to be able, and this is a good lesson right now for people, you have to be able to stomach that kind of volatility if you're going to put money into a speculative asset like crypto. And that's something that you should think about before you put your money in. You know, the people who were, oh, it's at 65000 I can't miss out. I'm going to invest money in it. Well, how are you reacting now? Because if you're, if you're truly convicted, you should be buying more if you really believe in it when you have a big correction. But if you got scared and sold and just took your loss, it might be time to just kind of take your hat out of that ring and don't get back into that market. It's really similar to what we tell people about investing in equities. You're either in or you're out. It's not both. You don't get to try to get in and out. And we have the chart of missing the best days in the market. And I think if you miss the be best five days in the market over the last 20 years, it took your average rate of return from nine and a half to, I want to say it was like 7% each year. And the five best days all happened or five of the best days happened during a four month window in 2008 when the financial crisis got really bad. So I think it's really similar what you're telling people about cryptocurrency. If you're in, you're in. If you're out, you're out. You, know, you can't try to trade it and play around. It's just too volatile. And some people, even though they may want that to be part of their investment portfolio, they want that speculative asset, maybe they just don't have the risk tolerance for it. Everybody has the risk tolerance. When it goes from 19,000 to 66, when it goes up, you know, no one ever calls and says, man, it's up 100%. Should I sell? No. You yes. never want to sell them. But boy, it goes down 10 or 15%. And all of a sudden, our risk tolerance changes a little bit. And, you know, I think the thing that another thing about the crypto world that people should start to think about is where are you actually storing your cryptocurrency? And this really came to light earlier this week. Um, Coinbase 
made a disclosure on their 10Q about how they hold crypto assets and basically said if they were to become insolvent, the client's crypto would become an asset of Coinbase, thus subject to the creditors. And people right. don't realize it. They think they own that. They own part of their trading in Coinbase. So, and it goes back to what our, our Bitcoin friend told us. You need to put it into cold storage and get it on a wallet. So you physically own this Bitcoin. Right. And that's another, that's another point with consumers and investors. If you say something, if you say that to someone, Hey, you should be storing this in your own cold storage wallet and they're buying Bitcoin and they say, well, what is that? Well, that's like a, that to me, that would be a clear sign that you have not done any research on Bitcoin, how to store it properly. And, you know, if Coinbase going bankrupt, it could happen. It probably won't happen. But just not knowing that they would actually then own your asset and it's subject to the creditors when you can store that Bitcoin yourself. So that, that's just that's another nuance that if you're going to decide to be in this market, then you should do the due diligence of understanding how to own it properly so it can't be confiscated from you. So Adam Levitin, he's a Georgetown law professor. Um, who studies bankruptcy and examined the scenario of this exact thing happening, one of the exchanges actually filing for credit protection. And he was asked, so what happens if to a customer if an exchange files bankruptcy? And he said, I think it ends very badly for the customers. You can probably take his word you can for take, it. He's take, an expert on he's that. He's an expert. Yeah. And it goes back to people are purchasing this, not only through an exchange they don't understand, but they don't understand what they're buying. The great example Absolutely this week not. are stable coins. Stable coins are supposed to be pegged to the to the dollar, one dollar per stable coin. Well, TerraCoin, which is a stable coin, is now trading at twelve cents. It's down eighty in twenty four hours. I'm looking at the chart live here. This is the thirteenth of May. It's down 70.87% in the last 24 hours. So let me ask every single listener, every viewer out there, you were told this was a stable coin tied to the dollar. So you assume that's a safe investment. Well, let's replay this scenario. What if you had a money market account that the bank told you was a safe investment and it, was, and it went down 70% in 24 hours? What would happen? There, there would be, there'd be a run on the banks. There would be, be crazy. absolute upheaval. So what I think is going to happen because of what's happened in the crypto world the last couple of weeks is we are going to start to finally see some mass regulation of the wild, wild west. Because right now, if you can go tell someone this is stable, it's tied to the dollar, it's one to one, but it loses 71%, that's not true. And people bought this not understanding what they were buying. And that's, so it's, the stable coin being the money market equivalent of cryptocurrency. That is a major problem that it, one of them could lose 70% in value. Like that's not, that's not okay. That's not good. So they, they need to have, you know, some sort of regulation and some sort of, I guess for me, and I, I think you can go back and look at our YouTube videos. I've said from the beginning, I understand some of these technologies and some of these different coins may be valuable and go up in value over time, but 
I'm pretty sure there's a video of me saying, if you're going to buy a stable coin, why don't you just keep your money in the bank? How many calls are you getting from clients about buying cryptocurrencies right now? Um, I, I've fielded some conversations with people I know, but I haven't talked with any current clients about and it. Full disclosure, we can't sell them. Like we don't sell crypto to clients, but you know, all of the small coins, if you're watching any of the price action, the small coins that were just copycats of other coins, they're all down 70, 80%. And, and I had a friend just ask my opinion and I'm, I'm not predicting this isn't a recommendation, but I said, these small ones are going to zero. They're not worth well, anything. The only they have to stay relevant to have value. He tried to tell me that Shibu Inu was going to have value because of the Shibu Shibu universe and his metaverse. And I said, "Well, yeah, but you can have an infinite amount of metaverses out there. Why is it value? It's only valuable in one. And by the way, it's really just an in-app purchase. So why wouldn't I just use the dollar? Like it's we're still way. buying. We're still buying things with dollars. You can call it what you want. It still all comes back to." What's the dollar value of it? So why won't we just use dollars? And, yeah. you know, I'm not beating up cryptocurrency, but too many people have bought this and have no idea what it is. Zero. It, it's similar to the dot-com. Hey, it's worth money because it's called a website. It has a dot-com, yeah, it's worth something. It's not. Well, it absolutely is. And I know I'll probably get poked in the eye for this, by listeners and people, but I guarantee it's you, also, I'm, it's like tulip mania too. It's something that has, it's not, maybe not exactly the same, but it's just something that has value that there's really no utility. You, there's no utility to it. And I'm not, I do think it's a viable technology. There's going to be uses for it, but the trading of cryptocurrency. And I just watched this morning, I watched a webinar by JP Morgan it's one of their cryptocurrency experts and his his compelling reasons to buy crypto are you, you can he this is his words you can look at it as an uh, an equity investment into the technology well then he also made a case about diversification and how you should buy all of these different coins so you're diversified because then if 75% of them go to zero hopefully have 25% that gain value. And then he kind of wrapped up the conversation because then some people started asking, well, how much money should people put in this? And the answer was, you should only put as much as you're willing to lose into a strategy like this. And then he said, and you should really think of it as like a casino and gambling. So to me, that does not sound like an investment. That well, just sounds like purely speculation. Arguably, if you were betting $500 a week on MGM Grand, Crypto is the same thing. It might be better off there. I don't know. But I'm, it, it is. It is 100% the wild, wild west gambling at this point. But I think we're going to see regulation. We're going to see consolidation. All, all industries and businesses as they grow have some level of consolidation. All these little coins will either go away or they're going to get bought by some other larger coin as they try to create scale of, of some, some kind in some capacity. So, and it got me thinking. I read um, there's a... There's a blog out there called The Happy Rich Investor. And I think Doug Wagner on WMT brought this up to us the other night. And it was a really great article, actually. I think there's great insight to this. And it's the three questions to ask yourself in a bear market. And the first okay. one is, did my belief change or just the price? The price. Well, if, well, you're, if your belief changed, you may, maybe should have been invested differently. 
you know what? People are allowed to change their opinion. You know, maybe you believe that X, Y, Z was the best thing going, but if you change your belief system, it can't be all the time, but it could just be the price. And I, I played, I played this scenario back with some clients. I did a workshop last night and said, you know, 12 months ago, if I would have told you, you could buy the S and P 500 at 3,800 points. And I don't know what's trading 12 months ago, but it was in the four thousands. How much money would you have given me? You know what the answer was? All of it. Cause they knew they were buying at a lower price. Well, what's different today? Just the fear that the fear, fear. that it's going to get worse. The fear that it's never, the market's never going to go back up. Just fear. It's just fear. It's not different. Is the market going to go up over time? There's no guarantees, but it's more likely than not that it will. Well, there's a lot of very, yeah, there's a lot of very compelling arguments that it will. I know I personally believe that. I mean, if we don't believe that, then where are we going to invest our money? There you go. I mean, let's be honest. The where coffee are you can invest and the money? mattress. Yeah. And then you're losing your purchasing power right now of 8% a year. Yeah. I and mean, that's what inflation is. So where are you going to put it? The second question, and this is great. I'm going to start asking people this. I'm literally going to ask this. Are you, am I a tourist or a local? What, okay. What is that getting at? Well, tourists leave when the weather gets bad. Okay. I got it. Yeah. I'm a local. Right. I am. I know I am. I'm a local. Hey, <laughs> I like are that there one. tourists going to Phoenix in August? The answer is no. I have clients in Phoenix. You know what they tell me? Don't come down here until about the first week of December and you're good through about February. And after that, there's really no reason to come here. Too hot. We are talking about it. My client, they moved down there, I don't know, five or six years ago. And this client lives there. And he said, Roger, it's so hot in August. I can't golf. It doesn't matter what time I get up in the morning. I can't golf in August. Wow. He wakes up and it's 102 degrees and it's 116 during the day. Can't get out of it. We don't realize it's that there like that there. We just think, oh yeah, it's beautiful. It's sunny and it is, but it's the middle of the desert and I'm not beating up Phoenix. It's great for nine months a year. My aunt and uncle just moved there. I saw they're out biking. It was 105 degrees the other day. Ouch. So it's, it's basically the opposite of living where we live in Iowa, where in the winter time, when it gets so nasty, you just stay inside and you can't leave. Well, so it's, it's the opposite where it's 105. So you just want to stay in your air conditioning. Well, you just pick your poison. I mean, at least at 105, you have the option to go out and do something. You might just be really hot Correct. in Iowa going out and it's 10 degrees. I don't even know if it's an option to really hang out outside. Not fun. Not fun. But that was a good analogy. Are you a tourist or are you local? Local people stay the course. Most long-term investors are locals. I'm, I'm going to start I using love the that question. one too. Are I you like a tourist that. or are you local? Yeah. And the third one is, is it, is it crashing or is everything on sale? And it I believe on, everything's on sale. I'm not saying that it's not going to get any worse, but right it, now it's a sale. It could be asset class dependent. And, and let me just throw true, this out true. there. You can go look at it. And this is not a recommendation. I'm just going to use a company like a Peloton or Zoom Video. Zoom Video at one time was worth more than Exxon. Zoom Video worth more than Exxon. On a market capitalization basis, today Exxon's 13 times. I'm not sure Zoom Video will ever get back to be larger than Exxon from a market capitalization standpoint. COVID play it's went through the roof. It's very possible that it doesn't. So 
I think if you're looking at individual stocks, you have to say, hey, is this individual stock, is this a crash or is it on sale? If you look at the broad market, I would tend to say that most things may be on sale compared to 12 months ago. Is crypto on sale or is it a crash? I have no idea. There you go. We don't know. But I think you have to look at it that way. And we talked about this in the previous show. You know, when Kmart rolls out the blue light and it starts bouncing around, I'm going to go. Am I going to get it the lowest price possible? I don't know. You know, I go into Von Mao or I go to the sale rack and the Peter Millar shirt I like that's regularly $98 is on sale for $62. Am I going to not buy it because I think it might go to $42? No, I'm going to no, buy it because buying. I see relative value. It's the same with the stock market. Yep, it could go lower, but if I'm in the market to buy stocks, which most people that are still in the accumulation phase are in the market to be acquiring stocks, why do you care if it goes a little lower? You shouldn't care. That's If you see relative yeah. value. I had, a, I had a conversation with a customer yesterday. Asked what he should do. I said, you need to max out your Roth today. I'm going to, he goes, no, I want to, I want to wait for it to go back up a little bit. I go, why? You're going to buy a worse price. Yeah. Waiting to go back up. I, I that go, doesn't, that doesn't make, make any sense. sense. Yeah, if that's... you're going to do, a, you're, you're 37 years old, you're going to make a Roth IRA contribution. Why does it matter? Do it today. But his answer is I want to wait to see it come back a little bit before I buy. So I don't lose more. Yeah. If you said to me, I want to wait and see if it goes down more, I can get with you more there, but I don't believe you can time the market. So I think you should just I mean, put the money in. This is a great opportunity for but, people to potentially who are accumulating and have 20 year time horizons. Think about 2000, year 2000s, 20 years ago, markets are crashing. How'd you do if you invested after the market went down and you just held it for 20 years? Pretty good. Very good. Yeah. At that time, you didn't feel like it was a bargain. 20 years ago, when people bought, the market's down 25%. They did not feel like it was a bargain at that time. So Elias, let's just think back. How many people, if I said, hey, today, I'll give you the price from 20 years ago on the S&P 500, who would say no? No one. I would, you, I would say all, all my available cash. Okay, then let's think about it. At the time, 20 years ago, would... Would you be like squeezing it for one or 2% either way, thinking you're getting a better entry point? No, you just no. do it. And it's the I same thing squeeze today. It for, I want it even for 10%. I want it squeeze it for 10 or 20. I would just take it. You talked about it on our radio show on Tuesday night, on our live call-in show. What's the number one thing people can do right now? Increase her? Increase your contributions. To anything. It doesn't matter what it is. Oh, you're going to put, do, you're doing Roth at 500 a month but really you have the cash to do it now, do it now. Roth conversion, do it now. Yeah, do it now. Go, if it's your 401k, do your 401k. Um, I will caution people though, just because of what you were just talking about, how there are a lot of individual stocks that their price has come down so far, 60, 70%. And we're talking, when we're talking contributions and buying, we're talking a diversified portfolio, mutual funds, ETFs, even just the S&P 500. But if you're going to like try and get cute and say, well, I'm going to buy this stock because it was worth this much last year, um, that could not, that strategy may not work because there's plenty of companies that may never get to that price again, no, especially mean, if they're a non-profitable technology company. Truth be told. 
if you're not working with an advisor, you're missing out on value. Just the bottom line. I mean, that is, yeah. That's what an advisor is going to coach you on. I don't believe most individual investors should buy individual stocks. No, They're not smart enough to do it. They can try to research few. and they think they are. There's very few people that should be buying individual stocks unless you have a level of conviction because you use it. If and you buy a stock because you think you're going to make money, you really think you're smarter than the analysts on Wall Street? The people that do yes, it every I day? Do. You think you can pick <laughs> no. it better than you think you can pick better than them? And I want people to think about what is a mutual fund? It's ran by a bunch of smart guys who over time, for the most part, 80% of the time, they don't outperform the index. So most investors who are doing this themselves should just be finding an appropriate index for their risk tolerance and buying that. Not going out trying to pick XYZ stocks, it was down 87%. You're gonna end up being like my client, you know, actually not my client, the prospect that came in here who from 2015 to 2019 lost 91% of his portfolio in his 401k because he was buying Ouch. bankrupt coal companies based upon the price. He was literally, he's like, well, I get all these shares. It's 13 cents. He was buying them while they're going bankrupt. It's not a made up story. Casey and I were looking at, we're like, the guy told me he's down 91%. I worked with his mom. Called me, I'm down 91%. I go, that's impossible. A monkey could have taken a dart, <laughs> thrown it at the board, and it's impossible to lose 91%. And I had a call. I said, whatever you're doing, just stop and put it into, you know, go to your 401k, find a target date fund, just whatever's available. And what he'd done is he'd open a brokerage window in his 401k, directing mm. all his cash there, and he was finding stocks that had the lowest lowest share price. And I figured it out because I told him to buy a, an ETF in his just a standard S&P 500. I'm like, just put it in here for now until I figure out what's going on. And he calls me back. He goes, man, the price of that's really high. I go, time out. I go, how are you picking these companies? He goes, well, I'm buying the ones that have a really low share price because I get lots of shares. And then I started peeling the onion back. They're all bankrupt coal companies. So and and that's what happens with people that think they know what they're doing. They hear, oh yeah, it's on sale. It's down 98%. How can it lose? It's down 98% for a reason. Yeah, Terracoin's so down 70% for a reason. Yeah, so anyone listening, the, the takeaway from the conversation right now Buying stocks on price is not an investment strategy or a trading strategy. No professional, no professional analyzes a stock and says, oh, the price is cheap. I'm buying it. Yeah. They look at the price compared to the earnings. Yeah. Yeah. That's one I mean, metric. Yeah, price is part of it. But what the price of the stock is, is totally irrelevant. So, you know, back in, do you know what you could have bought March 1st of 1985? Do you know what one share of Berkshire Hathaway was worth? And when 1985? Yeah, March, March first, 1985. What what one share of Berkshire was worth? Uh, I'll throw a guess. Um, thirty thousand. One thousand eight hundred and sixty. Eighteen hundred. Eighteen hundred dollars. And it's grown to. And at that time, you know, what people said, "It's really exp it's, it's too expensive." Yeah, the price. It, it doesn't matter. The it's the price, performance yeah. of the company. You know, why doesn't Warren Buffett pay a dividend? Do you know? Because he wants to reinvest the money. He knows he can invest your money better than you can. Right. That's why he does that. But I think that's a good lesson. You shouldn't be buying based on, and it, honestly, it's why I discourage individual investors from buying individual stocks. They don't know what they're buying. They don't know what's in the rest of their portfolio. I have a new client. He owns 
the Shelton NASDAQ Fund, VGT Vanguard Information Technology, the NASDAQ 100, the triple Qs. And then guess what his top 10 holdings are on the individual stocks he purchased. He did all this himself. They're, they're Thought the, it was super diversified. Yeah, they're the top, probably the top 10 in the NASDAQ. Facebook, Apple, Netflix, Google, Amazon. I'm like, so he you owns basically- the same thing four or five different ways. So you put 400,000 into all the same stuff. Well, I didn't know. Yeah, exactly. You didn't know. You should have asked for help from somebody. Just people think they know what they're doing. They don't. Good example. You know, they don't have triple Qs and 401ks. I don't. Well, guess what everybody would have put their money into at the end of last year? Oh, yeah. Triple Q flow would have been through. way up. Yeah. They go through and look, hey, people pick based upon how it did in the past. Well, this thing's done awesome for the last 10 years. And now it's down 30, 40%, way more than the market. That's why if you look at 401ks, most of the options are just plain vanilla. Target right. date fund, S&P yeah. 500, bond index, stable value, not stable coin. Stable value. Stable value. <laughs> um, yeah, well, in the companies, so like on a 401k, they do have some like fiduciary liability. That's typically why the options are very vanilla, but that doesn't mean they're bad. There's If you buy those index funds that are offered in the 401k and hold them for a long time, it may be boring. It may be a vanilla way to invest, but you're going to enjoy it. Keep yourself out of your own way. They are trying to pr protect you from your whole portfolio imploding because you picked the wrong fund. If you think what that, that 401k fiduciary has or really is doing, their jobs to protect you. What's in your best interest? Your best interest isn't having a technology fund in there. My mom is head of HR for a company here in town. They have thousand plus employees, something like that. And she has this one, um, one individual who always comes to her and says, why can't we have a sector fund in here? My mom will ask me about it. And he wants all these things. He's a savvier investor. And my mom says, what do you think we should do? And I don't do their 401k, full disclosure. I don't do business with family. I said, well, mom, here's why you shouldn't allow that. Because you are protecting them from themselves. I said, 90% of the people in that union don't know what they're picking. So, right. The one guy who knows what he wants to do and knows how to do it. He's the safe person. The other 99% of the people would potentially blow their situation they could. up. You know, you put in a, you know, biotechnology sector fund cause one guy wants it and they all pile in. Guess what? Was it in everybody's best interest? Not necessarily. He told my mom they wanted to have the Roth option a Roth conversion option in there. My mom asked what I thought. I said, yeah, that's probably a good idea. Like, there's no liability there for you, but you can't have sector funds in here. I said, keep it plain vanilla. Just give them like five options. And there's a town, there's a company in town. They're 401k just switched from fidelity to a light. Nobody likes it. No one likes a light. They all complain about it, right? Well, fidelity was so much better. No, no, it was the same. A light actually has more options. They just don't know how to unlock them. Right. They, they don't make know it how to difficult. move it to the brokerage window. You got it. And that's how they want it. We're going to give you access to everything you want. But if you want to go to that world, you're leaving our fiduciary capacity. You know, or, that is a good point. I've never, I actually haven't thought about it. Why is it so hard to find the little button for their brokerage window? That's why, because they don't want you to find it. They don't want you to find it. They're going to give you the option, but they don't want to make it easy. Right. Here's hmm. your five options. These are the ones that'll be safer for you long-term. 
So well, and most likely they will be. And people, the options in there, people will be successful buying those. Just buy a lot of them and hold them. It'll work. If you sit down and do a financial plan, figure out what the right asset allocation is, and buy boring investments that meet that investment mandate, more than likely you'll be highly successful. Yeah, it goes that, back to the Fidelity study. We talked about it last night at the workshop, the Fidelity study. Why people outperform the market, two common themes. They died or they forgot they had the account. They just stayed out of their own way. They didn't try to be a tourist. They were a local. Very local. They I mean, never. The accounts never even got logged into. The, no right. one was looking at it. No one cared. Well, okay. Since 2001, 2001 to 2000, 2001 to 2021. If somebody invested $10,000 in 2001, signed up for online access, and they didn't have an email account, so they never got a statement, never did anything, never turned on the news, forgot they put that money in there, never did anything different. The 10000 turned into 61000 It's a 9.5% compound rate of return. Most I'll, go, would, I'll go for that. That's what everybody wants, but we all get in our own way. Do I need to make it? What do we need to do? Do we need to make a change? Probably not. Not if you have the right asset allocation. Markets ebb and flow. They go up, they come down. So with that said, I think um, my closing remark for the show is ask yourself, are you a tourist or are you a local? I'm local. With that said, thanks everybody for listening. We'll get you next time. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. All performance referenced is historical and is not a guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Premier Investments of Iowa Incorporated and LPL Financial do not provide tax advice. Please consult your tax professional.